0: All right, it's time for the kids to head out to Children's Church, where there's a lesson prepared for you. I threw my back out yesterday, and as I was coming down the stairs, I realized that jamming wasn't a very good idea. So if I go down, just come on up and help me. Don't let me just lay here. (laughs) Nice. So we've been talking about uh, the power of, of God the divine power that has been placed within us we're going to read the scripture that we're that we're using here in just a minute we talked 2 weeks ago about authority that there is no true power that does not derive from authority and so God having all authority has shared that authority with us and we are able to go and do because he has determined that we can go and do. Uh, We talked last week about how he's not only given us the authority to represent him in this life but he has also given us the capacity to do so. That he has increased our ability. That he has made it possible for you and I to do things that we could not do before. That he, through spiritual gifts, has empowered you and made you new in order to do things that are amazing and wondrous. He has increased your capacity in many ways, in ministry, in passion, in wonder, in generosity, and in sinlessness. He has made all things possible for us. But now we get to this topic, which is usually what most of us consider to be power. And that's why we had to start with authority, and we had to start with capacity, And now we can actually begin to talk about energy. Let's go to 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire so this divine power has been placed within us so that we are able to have life and godliness that we did not have access to before we exercise power first by authority it is then defined the 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 boundaries of it are defined by our capacity And now we need energy. We go to the beginning to Genesis chapter 2. The image there is actually pretty well described. It is the sixth day. The ground had not yet sprung up plants because it had not rained. The ground was merely a dusty landscape with a gentle mist that rose up over it. It was here at that moment that the Lord God placed his hands in that dust and began to form out of it. And when he was done, that body laid there, motionless, energyless, lifeless, and empty. It was was merely a shell. But then God breathes into the nostrils of Adam, the spirit of life, the breath of life, the energy of life, and that body which was nothing except assembled matter placed together, when the spirit is placed within it, the spirit of life, the spirit of man, as it's called elsewhere, when that spirit comes in it, it becomes energized and empowered, and it begins to move. It stands, and it walks, and it interacts, and it talks. See? spirit of man that is placed within that body is the energy borrowed from God. And it says that God breathed the spirit of life into Adam's nostrils and Adam became a living soul. When the body, the shell was filled with the energy borrowed from God Then he became a living creature, a living soul, a unique thing among all of God's creation. But this energy is limited. This spirit is weak. This spirit and this energy would probably best be described as a battery. The life that is in you is a battery. Most of us have shaken off the morning. We have shaken off the dust out of our minds. We are now awake, and we are alive, and we are moving through, and we are moving with the most energy that we are going to have today because we slept through the night, we got a good night's sleep, hopefully, and now you are filled with energy, and you are ready to meet your day. But I can promise you and guarantee you that by the end of this day, you will have spent all of the energy that you have saved up, and you will find yourself tired and worn and your mind ready to shut down, your body ready to shut down, and you will crawl back under the covers of your bed, and you will drift off to sleep where your brain will settle all of the junk that you've been picking up throughout the day. Your body is going to recuperate and repair itself, and you will find yourself once again awoken tomorrow, rested, filled with energy again. We are nothing but rechargeable batteries, that's what's placed within this body, and it's important that we begin with this understanding when we talk about that power has energy. No matter how much, let me throw this out there, because no matter how much you train, As you train your body, you can expand your energy. You can actually increase your your body's ability to produce energy, and that's great. You can eat certain foods that will allow your body to uh, create more energy, and that's fantastic. There are many things that you can do in your body in order to maximize your energy, but the reality is it does not matter how much you have. At the end of the day, it is gone. It is saved up and it is spent. It does not matter how old you are, it does not matter none it doesn't matter what gender you are, none of those things matter. So Isaiah chapter forty, verse thirty, right there God says, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall feel exhausted. It does not matter whether you think you can take on the entire world, the reality is you will collapse at the end of the day and need to recharge. That is the nature of the spirit of man that is within us. It is limited. Its energy is finite. But the cool thing is, we have a God that isn't like us at all. That's exciting because I need a God that isn't like me because I ain't worth following. I need a God that doesn't tire, that doesn't fail, and that is exactly the God that we have. Now, we back up two verses in Isaiah here in chapter 40. We go to verse 28. Here's what God says about himself. He says, Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of heaven and earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Take that, Google. Don't even have access to what goes on in his mind, let alone the ability to understand it. But our God does not faint, he does not grow weary, he does not tire, our Lord does not wear down. He has all authority, he has all capacity, and he has all energy. Do you know why? Because our God is authority, our God is capacity, and our God is energy. He is not, he doesn't hold all of it. He is all of it. God is all power. He doesn't have all power. He is all power. All energy that exists, exists in him and only in him and is only borrowed. When he breathed into the nostrils of Adam, he gave us a taste of what it was, of what life was, of what energy was, of what existence was, but it is still limited. No, this God, there is nothing. You know, there's only a couple of things. I, 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 well, okay, I like this about God. There are only a couple of things that God cannot do. Okay, and I'm not going to get into a, a weird argument here because there are people that, that, that oh, I get in arguments about people uh, because if God's unlimited, anyway. There's a couple of things that God cannot do. One of the things that God cannot do is God cannot lie. Uh, uh, now, God cannot lie, not because God is limited; it's something He can't do. No, 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 no. God is uh, God cannot lie because He is unlimited. When we walked in, the sky was blue, right? I'm assuming for everybody, the sky was blue this morning. Or, well, just bear with me. Yes, I, red, yellows, whatever, sunrise. But normally, the sky's blue when you're out there. Our God, this is the kind of power that He has. Our God, if he says, Nathan, the sky is green, is he lying? No, I'll tell you what. If our Lord speaks those words, the moment I I step outside, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to find. I'm going to find a green sky. He does not lie because whatever he says becomes. It is. See, this is the great thing about God, and this is why I love his name. I love his name. He is the great I am. You want power? He is power. You want authority? He is authority. You want truth? He is truth. He is all things. It's fantastic. That's the kind of God that we serve. But I want you to understand our God has life. Because our life is borrowed from him, right? Right? It's borrowed from him. Our God has life. Well, let's say our God is life. Doesn't Jesus say that? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life. So God is all life, but I want you to understand, the spirit of man that is within us is borrowed. It is not the same as the spirit that is within the trinity. The life force of God is the Holy Spirit. It is is impossible for him to tire. The very life force of God is God himself. His life is eternal. His energy is eternal. What he wants becomes. Now the amazing thing, this is, this is, You and I, God has shared his authority with us. We talked about that. This, everything is sequential. There's a reason we, we've talked about things the way we have. Uh, it, it, he's given us the authority to represent him, and he's expanded our capacity to, to represent him, to do things that we couldn't do before. Because I'm telling you, if God expands you to God-sized capacity, well, by goodness, he better give us some God-sized energy to handle that. For most of us, though, I, I'm, I'm not saying this as a judgment. I'm really not. I, I'm saying this as an observation, a warning and a call. For so many of us as Christians, we okay, God has expanded our authority and He has He has increased our capacity. And so we feel the call to do big and amazing and wonderful things for God. We feel like we should and, and, and in our life we try. We try with our energy. We try with all of our power to make it happen but the problem is we weren't given a spirit that had the power to do God sized things. It's limited. And so God has placed his power inside of you. His power. His energy, His life force. That's the whole point. When you become a Christian, right, you are filled with what? The Holy Spirit. Folks, that's not just quaint jargon. That's just just not a nice idea. That is reality. The life force of God is in you so that you can accomplish the God-sized task that you were called to do. In 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11. Peter there writes, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I want you to understand this. Whatever it is that you are called to do, you are not called to do it on your power. You are not called to do it in the flesh. You are called to do it by the power of God. In him only and that is the only way that God gets glory in what we have done because if it is possible for me to do on my own in my own power where is the glory for him it is my glory I did it God has called you to things that you cannot do on your own and he needs you to turn and to rely on Him and to live according to His Spirit and live in that kind of life with that kind of energy and you will accomplish the things that you and I are supposed to accomplish. The Spirit that has been placed within us is no longer a battery. It is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the outlet. And when we are connected to the Spirit, we are connected eternally in that moment to raw, divine Power that does not cease, and it does not wear down. No, it flows through us. It courses through us. It pulses through us. It changes us. This power is so amazing. Paul, Paul, okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. Listen carefully for what Paul is saying here. He says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the Lord, or that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward those who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Did you hear what that power is? Did you hear it? It's pretty pretty amazing. Let's go back to Adam so there 's Adam, he was this this body, right, and God placed this this limited power, this this uh, uh, spirit of man inside of him, and all of us that are born since have have this same combination, this body that was united with this um, battery uh, that is in us that we recharge in the evenings and we spend the energy and we get tired. And we go through our life, and and eventually that battery stops holding a charge. That's really what death is, isn't it? It doesn't hold a charge anymore. And uh, we fall asleep, and we don't wake up again. So we carry that forward to Jesus, who in every way was a man. He had the spirit of man in him as well. He tired. You do realize that, right? He tired. It says that he tired, and he would send people away because he, he couldn't, he couldn't do anymore. He was too tired. When he hangs on the cross, suffering as he has, the very end of his life, he looks up and he cries out, "What, Father? Into your hands I commit." my spirit with that he breathed his last and the spirit left him and the body fell and slumped as it is with every human being that has ever lived or ever will when the spirit left the body it returned to the state of just being assembled matter and they took him down and they placed him in a tomb And his body began to rot. His body began the process of returning to the dust from whence it came, as every man and woman before. But he was sinless. Death is the punishment for sin. He had been unjustly prosecuted, unjustly sentenced, and unjustly executed. But God did not return to his body the spirit of life. He did not return to his body the breath of life that he had given to Adam that all of us carry. No, in fact, what we see right there in that Ephesians is What raised Christ from the dead was the Holy Spirit. He did not send back the spirit of man, but God himself placed his life force in that body. And that life force had the power to begin to pull back the the decay and the corruption that had begun to take that body. He reassembled it by his power. And Jesus stood up. The spirit that was in him, it was no longer the spirit that still remains in us. It was the Holy Spirit of God raised him up to an eternal life and he was transformed in that moment. And the life that he now lives, he lives by the spirit and the energy and the life force of God himself. What that Ephesians passage says, That power, all of that power has been placed in you. That same Holy Spirit has been set inside of you. That you can live in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. I want to lay this out. This is going to be difficult for just a a moment because it's hard for me to grasp. In us, there are two lives. In each of you, there are two lives. There is the old man and the new man. There is the old creation and the new creation. They coexist. They are in us at the same time. Our spirit, unlike Jesus, when we receive the Holy Spirit, our spirit doesn't get kicked out. We still have the spirit of life that is still that battery that still wears down, that still, uh, 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 you know, junks out at the end but we have a new life. The the whole point is when Jesus was raised from the dead, he became the firstborn of the new creation. He became the firstborn of what all of us would become. He was transformed and changed into this new life, the first one. And all of us who believe that spirit is placed within us, and we are reborn over and over and over again in the New Testament. Too many for us to read here. Paul constantly, constantly, constantly talks about how you have died in Christ, right? That, that this old way that we cannot follow the flesh, it has no hold on us anymore. This old life is done. When we surrendered our life and we confessed our sins and we repented of them, we turned away, we, were, we went down and died with him in the waters of baptism. When we came back up, we came up a new creature, a new creation, something brand new. But that old still lives in us. The horror of Christianity is this that you come to faith in Jesus and be given this eternal source of energy, this eternal life force in you, but you continue to try to accomplish the things of God on your own power. That's the horror of Christianity. There is no more miserable person in this world than the person who knows Christ and has been appointed great things but struggles to use their own power, their own authority, their own capacity, their own energy to try to make it happen. And they live a life of constant spiritual failure. What a horrible, But we do not have to live this way. We have access to it if we will choose to live in it. So Paul in Colossians 1, 28 to 29 says this. It says, him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ for this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. He says, I toil with the energy that he has powerfully worked in me. I want you to, hear here. here what is the toil? What does that mean? Listen, it is not. It is not Paul trying to conform his flesh into the likeness of Jesus. It is not. You're gonna you're, and, and you're gonna sit there and go, wait a minute, what? I thought I was supposed to conform myself. No, nope. It is not Paul. His toil is is not uh, uh, trying to to overcome the sin that is the the temptations of the flesh. It isn't that. We think it is. It isn't. It's not. See, and that's the problem. We are spiritual creatures that are, that are not living spiritual lives. We are still living in the flesh and trying to make this flesh like Jesus. What's the problem with that? This flesh cannot be like Jesus. That's why I died with him. I was united with him in his death, according to Romans 6. I died. This part of me was useless. Had to be destroyed. Had to be killed. So Jesus looks at us and he looks at you and he says, listen, I want you to understand, the one who does not take up his cross daily and follow me cannot be my disciple. What he's saying is, if you are trying to be a righteous person by living in the flesh, you are still living a fleshly life trying to conform it to me. I that That's a good desire, but it doesn't work. You cannot live in the flesh and you don't overcome sin by struggling with it. It's by destroying this flesh. So the actual burden, the actual toil that Paul is dealing with and you are supposed to deal with. If you are struggling with sin, if you are struggling with any of this stuff, listen, you are not supposed to fight it. You're not supposed to fight it in the flesh. And you're, Maybe you're sitting here going, what are you talking about? Every preacher I've ever heard sits there and tells me, I've got to fight it. I've got to fight the flesh. I've got to do all of this. No. No, that's where we failed. No, the burden. It's not to do more for Jesus. It's to let Jesus do more with us. Bear with me. It is not working harder for Jesus, but relying on him to do his work through me. The toil is is not uh, to be more righteous. It is to live in His righteousness. The toil is not to conform my flesh to His, but to crucify my flesh. I'm not going to fight temptation anymore. I'm going to execute it. And there's a difference. That's why Paul in Galatians two twenty, my favorite passage for those of you who've been here long enough to know it, I have been crucified. You know what? I want you, oh, you're going to read it with me. Go read it with me. I didn't do, even do that first service. I don't care. We're going to read it together. You ready? And I want you to say it with some passion because this is true. I'm going to read it first. and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read it, then we're all going to read it together. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you see what he says? He says, I may still be in the flesh, but I'm living by faith. I'm not living by the flesh. Say it with me. Let's go together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Does it feel good to say? I spent my life, folks, fighting the flesh fighting lust fighting greed fighting bitterness and envy and rage and selfishness all those things here's what I want if you can grab anything today there are these two lives in you the flesh continues to live in you but so does the spirit Paul says walk according to the spirit you will not You'll not satisfy the desires of the flesh. You make a choice. Jesus says, you know, you've got to take up your cross daily. Follow me. That's what it means. That's what it means. You want to be free. Freedom isn't found in, in this burden of making your flesh like Jesus. Kill your flesh. Get rid of it. Ignore it. That's what we're doing. These two lives are in you. And you make a conscious decision each day of which life you're going to live in. And I'm going to tell you, when you make the choice to live in the spiritual life, so many of the burdens and the worries and things just fall away. But don't be deceived because the flesh, it likes to creep in without you realizing it. It starts trying to make you anxious. It starts trying to make you lustful. It starts trying to make you those things. But you and I, we've got to live in the spirit and shut that down, not fight it. We're not going to fight it. Execute it. We have the authority. We have the capacity. We now have the energy to do it. I do not have to submit to any of my flesh any longer. It has no power over me. I have power over it. I just have to choose seriously. I kind of picture it I kind of picture it in my head of uh, and i don 't you got to find you 'll have to find your own way to kind of to kind of put this in, in in your head. I was talking with someone and they, and they were talking about centering themselves that that 's how they do it they, they center themselves in the spirit and and maybe because i 'm just such a rationalist, I see myself as as this um what are those, you know, the, not the Etch-A-Sketch, because then you got to shake that. I don't shake myself. The, the, the one where you would draw on it, and then it had the little thing where you could wipe it, wipe it clean. I just, I have that. That's what in my, in my mind, as I'm going through the day, if I start having the anxiety, the stress, or whatever it is, I just remind myself, you know what? I don't have to have any of that. And that's what I have in my head. I just have this image that I'm just wiping it away and throwing it out. I'm not going to do it. So that's, and it. I'm telling you, listen to me, it is that simple. You got to find what it is, but it is that simple. To literally, this de- this flesh is dead in you. It's dead. You don't have to live in it. You get to live in this energy. You get to live in the power of God. That's where we're supposed to be. Don't fight. Don't fight this flesh anymore. Kill it. It's going to be difficult, but that's the fight we're in. We're not in a fight with people that are outside, huh? They don't believe in God, that's okay. We still love them and we still serve. That's who we are. The fight that you have is within yourself to step to not be in the flesh, but to live in the spirit. Paul struggled with this. Look, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, he said this. He said, We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the of the of affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. This is Paul. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. Uh, But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. Paul had the same struggle. He's going through, and and there are times when he falls into that trap of trying to do it on his own energy. He's trying to maintain it on his own. He's trying trying to live that flesh and make it conform. And then he realizes, I can't do it. And he faces those hardships and he falls apart and he realizes, you know what, in those moments God allows that to happen to him so that he is reminded that he has to live in him and him only, to rely on him and him only. We have to stop living as earthly creatures and start living as heavenly beings because that's the reality. We continue to walk in this world, but the fleshly life that we still struggle with, that we still sometimes fall into, it perishes. That old soul, that old existence will not survive the destruction. So why waste any more time in it? The life that you will live for the rest of eternity is already in you. The toil is in the transition, making this flesh dead in us and living by the Spirit. Jeremiah 17, 5 to 8. Only two more scriptures just to give you a little light at the end of the tunnel. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. Now he is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when he comes. For leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. Relying on our own strength is like being a shrub in the desert connected with no water, just trying to survive on our own and we can't do it. But when we rely on God we tap into that power, into that source of water that refreshes us, energizes us, makes us alive. And no matter what happens around us, no matter how hot it gets, no matter how, no matter what burdens come our way, because we are rooted and supplied by his strength, we will not fail, we will not fall. So Jesus has this promise for you this morning, last scripture. It's actually the thing that's over there on our banner, on that one. So on John, at John 7, verses 37 to 38, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. He stood up, cried out these words. He's crying, I'm telling you, he's crying them out to you this morning for all of us, every one of us to hear. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. For you who are Christians, who have been Christians Seems like, or maybe new. Christ's call to us this morning as he cries out in this place is to remind you that these rivers are flowing through you. Allow the energy of the Spirit to pulse through you into the world around you. Remember, we talked about the source of a hose, right? The hose, you turn it on. If you kink it up, if you don't let it through, you can't get any more. You have to unleash it, the Spirit, the power is in you. that, That river is flowing. Allow it to live in the Spirit, not by the flesh. If God calls you to do something, step out on faith and allow His strength to make it happen. Do not try to do it yourself. That's a waste of time. That's a miserable existence. But for you who have never put your trust in Jesus, maybe not truthfully, not really, maybe you've seen Christianity as the burden. You've looked and you've understood and you have examined it according to the flesh and you have assessed yourself and you know and realize the truth. You can't live up to what he asked you to be. He's calling out to you this morning saying very clearly, I know you can't do it. That's why I'm going to do it in you. The only failure in Christ is the one who tries to do it himself. He will always fail. But those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength will rise up on wings like eagles. His power. Can you feel him? He is here. He is crying out. Let him move. We're going to have the singers come up. We're going to stand. What I want you to do is, we're not doing an altar call or an invitation, nothing. Here's what, I, here's what I want you to do as we as we sing. We're going to sing victory in Jesus because honest, honest to goodness, there's, there really is no more powerful song for us to stand up and proclaim this morning, that there is nothing that has any power over us. We have absolute victory. But in this moment, if you feel that call of God, if you feel him asking you to surrender to him something that you haven't surrendered, I ask you to close your eyes. I ask you to pray right where you are and let him flow through you. Let's stand. Let's sing our song of invitation.